Welcome back to Anyone Can Play Guitar, the podcast where we learn every Radiohead song on guitar in order. My name is Austin Diaz. And I'm Nick Kendallsperger. Took out the try, because, I mean, we did do it. <laughs> we have so far done we did. it. I was worried we weren't going to be able to play any of these songs last season, and it's actually been super interesting, and we were able to do it. Yeah, we were. So we find ourselves on the second and already last uh, episode for the proper album. No, for sure. We haven't done an album in two episodes since The Benz, I guess. Did we do The Benz in two? Yeah, we did it in two episodes. And then obviously we had two b-side episodes right but we're gonna have a pretty big b-side episode for the king of limbs because oddly while the album is pretty meager there are a lot of b-sides but i guess let's just get right into it because we have a lot to say about these next four songs so our first song is lotus flower Okay, Austin, what did you think the first time you saw this video online? Uh, I love this video. (laughs) This video is amazing. I'm pro any video where the artist or the band is actually sort of performing the song. This is a very strange performance, but, you know, he sort of, he sings along with it. He's dancing along with it. I'm completely there. The dancing is amazing. All of the subsequent memes are amazing. They are amazing, yes. Um, this is one of my favorite Radiohead videos because, yeah, it's a performance and it's not some sort of short movie. We haven't really talked about their videos much. That's true, actually. I like how you just described that and that, you know, he's not literally performing it. He's only sort of lip syncing the song, but it is definitely him trying to express the song. Right. I guess. Right? Right. So yeah, it was directed by Garth Jennings, but choreographed by Wayne McGregor, who is from, I think, the National Ballet in London. But it really, I mean, when you break it down, it is it is a choreographed dance. Like, you can tell that it was completely thought out. They didn't just put a camera on him and say, move. Right. I mean, it's a very iconic video, and it currently has over 70 million views, which isn't their most popular YouTube video, but is in the top five of their channel. Oh, what's their most popular one? Oh, Creep. Creep is their most popular uh, song. I, should, I, I knew that, but I didn't know if it was the most popular video. I mean, it's not. Oh, yeah. It's sort of interesting that this late in their career, they are able to have not like a hit but a, a very memeable, popular song. Well, I think the memification of this video just shows how many new, younger fans they won in, in Rainbows, who were much more internet-savvy in those corners of the internet. I mean, Radiohead fans are pretty savvy in general online, With uh, if you look at the forums and all of the videos and stuff, but... 
the generation behind us is much more into the meme stuff. It's true. I missed out on that lesson, I feel like. I don't know how to do memes correctly. Oh, I don't even try. I just like to look at them and laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So, besides the video, how do you feel about this song? You know, I have not been this surprised by a revisit to a Radiohead song since They're There. I remember with They're There, I was just surprised at like how amazing that song was. And this song is just unreal how good it is. And I like every iteration of this song. I like the solo versions. I like the album version. I like the From the Basement version. I'm here for this song. And I was not expecting to be. This is a great song, in my opinion. Comparing it to There There is actually exactly how I was going to describe it. (laughs) This is a song that is way better than I thought it was, just because there's so much going on. There's the way the the bass notes move around, this sort of three-note thing that just keeps going around. Then you have these hand claps, which, did you try to break this down? The song's in 4-4, but the hand claps are sort of in 5-4, so it's like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. Rand- it seems like almost random when you hear it. But I mean, I have to admit, this song is kind of a banger. <laughs> and it's almost a pop hit song, right? I don't know how yes, else to yes. put it. It's like a top 40 song. And then that's, and that's fine. And they do that really good. And it's the radio version of it. And then you sort of have the, it's not the pre-chorus because the, the music stays exactly the same. It's just when his voice goes a little, one register higher, the empty space inside my heart, which is a really cool line where the weeds grow. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, and then, but then that chorus, this song really opened up for me because when I was, I was just having the album on in the background as much as I can, like to prepare for the episodes, I just listened to it different contexts and this chorus just will grab you that b flat hits and you're like what is going on and then his voice just goes stratospheric yeah stratospheric is the way to say it it's an unbelievable performance on the album and his live versions of it sometimes he gets it and sometimes he doesn't right. i feel like the from the basement performance is is quite excellent but on the record, it is one of his most impressive falsetto performances. We talked about this a little bit within Rainbows, when he was sort of getting over the fact that his voice was so beautiful and he wasn't trying to sing this, each song differently like he did on Kid A and stuff like that and or to kind of make his voice less beautiful. And then here he's just like fully embracing <laughs> how absolutely gorgeous his voice can be. I mean, I don't know. Is there a song where his voice sounds better than this? That's an excellent question. I think there are some performances on In Rainbows where his voice is, is pretty startling, but this is a technical feat that is hard to ignore. Right, because it's not a hollow falsetto. I mean, there's some falsetto singers where they can kind of get up high, but there's mm-hmm. not any real weight to it. And there's just still so much timber and volume. Volume not in the loud but like volume as in mass i have like so much to say about this song i don't know what (laughs) (laughs) well it's just it it does feel a lot like they're there in that you've had to deal with like half an album essentially wherein it didn't have a song like this and then for it to all of a sudden hit is makes it seem even more surprising and more 
astonishing. I don't know if the video threw me off a bit because it is such a memeable video. I mean, this is in my top 20 favorite Radiohead songs now. I'm pretty confident. It's it might be in the top 10. It, it's definitely yeah. in like the top 15. Okay. I don't know. I mean, we'll make a list at one point, but... I didn't think we would come back to King of Limbs and then I would be like, oh, Lotus Flower, that's one of their very best songs. That's not what I was thinking was going to happen. Oh, I had, I had no idea that I would be this effusive about a song on this album. I was maybe not as trepidatious as you were going into it, but I was kind of thinking, ah, oh, we'll get through this one and then we have one more. And then to have a song like this... Because just even the original versions, like the solo versions, I mean, that's a fun guitar player to play. It has nothing it to is. do with I, the album. <laughs> isn't that amazing, though, to go back and listen to the acoustic version that was recorded in 2009? The song essentially is all there. It, it's just such a beautiful performance, but it's a very delicate song. But if that had been released, that would have been just an incredible song, just right. like that. But then to be able to translate it and give it some real danger mm-hmm. and some just sort of almost funkiness. They did a just incredible job. Yeah, I mean, this is that acoustic version and the guitar part. I mean, this is in Tom York's sort of go to sleep, follow me around songwriting vein, where he's sort of, he's got this, it's an ostinato with the high notes are kind of the same and it's the bass line that's moving around. And it's just sort of repetition and it kind of goes forward. And I've historically on this podcast not liked those songs. <laughs> not liked is a little uh, tame in comparison okay, to what I, you've said I, to I, them before. <laughs> I've hated those songs. You know, so it, it, okay, it's a song that is like the acoustic version is set up for me to hate it. But for some reason, it's like he nailed he nails that type of songwriting with this one. The second thing is that this shows you, I, I talked last episode about worrying that sometimes the band sees Tom as like an oracle that he's whatever he comes with they have to make it into something and that's this is the best example of how that's amazing Tom comes with this song that like sounds fine on the acoustic version and they're like well watch wait <laughs> I don't see know. what we can do yeah I don't know who came up with the hand claps but somebody was like look guys I'm gonna clap my hands but in five four <laughs> yeah this is a pop song in many respects every like 15 seconds the song changes and i mean i think max martin would be very impressed by this little this little song he has here well that's basically like the pop music writing formula is that you have to change every 10 to 15 seconds there has to be something different and they do that either with adding a new medley line or things drop away i was talking with my composer friend I mean, because he agreed with me, too, that it is both strophic and verse chorus, but you it gets lost in that mix because it keeps it's not a complete through line. It doesn't just go directly to those different things. There's these pauses, there's these sort of breaks, there's these where the instruments pull back and then they come flooding back in. But it is just a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. There you go. Like, mm-hmm. Not even a bridge. I wish more of King of Limbs was like this where they were able to incorporate the rhythm with a more structured song. I do really enjoy Feral, like, so don't touch Feral, but I do think that some of the other songs would have benefited from a little bit of this. Yeah, but then I wonder if I would like the song as much. 
I don't know. Oh, I mean, that's true. It does stick out like wildly, especially after the first four songs. It does feel like it has more attention put on it mm-hmm. than the other songs. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it's a, I think they definitely realized that they had something once they started to tinker with his original version. And they mm-hmm. were like, oh, if we just take that out and we have this bass line, which, I mean, I, I've watched the performance of Lotus Flower on the From the Basement so many times, basically just because I love Colin. <laughs> during this <laughs> it's true. He is <laughs> so into this song. Yeah, he really is. And... Uh, I cannot get over how he is dressed in this video. I mean, he just has a plaid shirt on with jeans. The other, you know, like Tom has his like vest on, like black vest with the gray shirt. And, you know, Ed is wearing a suit jacket and Johnny has his like V-neck, whatever Johnny is. And Ed is, Colin could just like come from working at the docks to play (laughs) bass. Yeah. And I am, I am. I have such like a parasocial relationship with him in this video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just, just with him in general, I realize. Yeah. But I mean, there's so many Radiohead songs where he is the central part, but he doesn't seem to care. And he seems to be really into it at the same time. It's just like a very cool mix. There is a meme of him playing at the From the Basement performance during Lotus Flower, where he like looks like a little deranged, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but that's, a, that's the part right that I absolutely love it. He look, he oh looks yeah, I know. So... <laughs> that's when he's like totally lost in the music and he just can't get him, get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about the lyrics at all? I don't know. I feel like Tom York lyrics, especially at this point is sort of, you know, it's kind of, he's kind of like a craggy cliff upon which any sort of analysis breaks. Okay. <laughs> But because it's too vague or yeah, you know, I mean, like even one of the more poetic lines are what I thought was one of the more poetic lines of this song. And even this album is like, all I want is a moon upon a stick, which apparently comes from a comedy show in the mid nineties in Britain. Cause I found an article in the independent from 1996 where it was about this comedy show. What is their guy's name? Um, Newman and Badiel. It's history today. Hmm. Nowadays, you are more likely to hear the comedy savvy 14 year old complain that the person they're addressing wants the moon on a stick. One of several catchphrases coined by Stuart Lee and Richard Herring, creators of BBC Two's Fist of Fun. Oh, that's fascinating. I yeah. thought that was just an old expression. I mean, I, I thought I thought so too, but then I looked around and it really came from this show. And then they even have, they have like, there's a whole video that you can find where it's just this moon on a stick. Where it, like one of the hosts gets the other, one of the guys gets the other guy a moon on a stick. So Tom York was obviously a fan, just like Pablo Honey is after that prank call <laughs> radio show. It's true. You know. He's not afraid to, to pull in influences from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just seems to have a particular soft spot for this sort of comedy. But he sings it, that's when he's singing at his highest. A lot of the other lyrics have Kid A's obsession with fairy tales Mm -hmm. and, you know, shrinking into a pocket. And while the cat is away, we do what we want because we will shrink and then be quiet as mice. It's just so cool, but I think it, uh, I don't know how 
much one should concentrate on the lyrics because I think it's in a Reddit AMA he basically said something like somebody asked him about the lyrics and he said well it's just sort of towards the end of the process the words that stick and a lot of times the words that stick are phrases from everywhere else that he's, he sort of reappropriates right the actual phrase is the moon on a stick and he says all I want is the moon upon a stick so he changes it a little bit and then just he, he repeats it a couple times. It's just as what sticks in the song and you can read a lot into it and you don't have to read anything into it at all. You can just enjoy it. Yeah, that's an excellent point because there's a t- I, I've kind of given up looking up like genius lyrics <laughs> for Radiohead songs. So genius is a lyric website where people can comment on interpretations of lyrics Right. And every time I look at Radiohead songs there, I'm just like, this is insane. This is dumb. <laughs> this is, no, this, this is, like, is not even please close. Please stop. <laughs> but I don't, you know, did Tom have an idea of what he wanted is one question. And then there's lyrical interpretation by the audience, which is a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. And so you can make this be whatever you want it, I guess, by reading into it. That doesn't mean you figured it out in any respect. Though there are things that you can hold on to. And I mean, I just think that the image of the lotus flower is, you know, lotus flower, that that idea of them opening and closing is, mm-hmm. is really astonishing. I don't know if you've ever actually seen like a lotus flower in person. I have. I, we have like I, a pond nearby where they come up. Okay, you do? That's awesome. Um, when I was in Thailand, I went to this like pond where they were. A, there were a bunch of them. And to see them emerge was one of the craziest things I've ever seen because they're just coming up from the water. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of religious uh, connotations with that as well that Mm -hmm. I think Buddhism has incorporated. Yeah, Hinduism as well, from what I read. It is a wonderful image and it made me think of the R.E.M. song, Lotus, but with that, which also had a very bizarre video that I remember. It did. But I think that that's more the Lotus Eaters. But I think this song also gets into the Lotus Eaters, even though they're not necessarily the same thing, right? Mm. Like the Lotus Eaters in the Odyssey and other mythical things where like people are just getting high all day. Because <laughs> like, like I can't kick your habit just to keep your fast ballooning head. It would seem to be more in that direction. But like I said, who knows? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know. Cause like, where does the line, there's an empty space inside my heart where the weeds take root. Like you don't want weeds to grow in your heart. And so it's like, you can't stop it from happening. I mean, but then to be in your heart, like, I mean, that's a pretty damning statement about yourself though. Pretty not damning about like him personally, but sort of damning to like, people in general. Right, like, or like, I'm not capable <laughs> of relationships. Tom York is just, as I think, is just too honest. If if we are interpreting him correctly, which... I said, right, well, there can be, that's what, that's the kind of lyrical analysis that sort of maybe, that you can slip in honest things into songs like this that mm-hmm. maybe mean more than the rest of it does. So I always, yeah, gravitated to that line because I just think that it... It is a universal idea of like, why do I keep like obsessing about things that are bad <laughs> yeah, or things that, are, that 
you know, maybe that make me do things I don't want to do that I know are bad for me. And, but I can't stop it because it just keeps happening. And, you know, and it's so beautiful when it happens and you're just like, this is amazing because yeah. it's just life and it, it, it just never, you know, life just keeps going. That's really, that's really well put. I, I almost don't want to say what this song brings up or that line brings up <laughs> okay. after that, but I will do anyways. You can edit it out. But like okay. I listened to Christian music and there was this um, Christian band called Audio Adrenaline, which sounds weird. It's a weird name, but they had a song called God Shaped Hole where the line was, there's a hole in everyone's heart that is a God shaped hole. Like that, like you have this hole in your heart and only God can fill it. And mm. so that th when this line always makes me think then of that song, but that's like a, as a refutation of like, no, we just have this. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you can fill that's it. True. You can fill it with God, but maybe that's another weed. Right. You can fill it with whatever gets there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. I think we should end on that. I think that's a great way to end it. So all of a sudden you're just like, wow, this album what does it have left for me? And so then the next song is Codex. does this album have left for me and apparently it has this how do you feel i mean okay. it's also a starred song on apple music I'm, how do i feel about I'm, it okay let me guess i'm gonna guess that you like it okay because it sounds like a late stage beatles early stage mccartney song with horns and it kind of like has this nice little coda that sort of twinkles you know, out into the ether with the horns going. And, it, you know, you have this, like, lift to the F after, you know, after the D minor. I don't know. Am I on the right track? Absolutely not. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't stand this song. Oh, I am astonished that people think that this is a great song. Oh, this is oh, one verse... And that's it. There's that outro, but it, it it has nothing. I mean, this is a half song at best. Okay. I don't. I think everyone tells them that themselves that they like this song because it is a piano ballad, and the verse is legitimately quite beautiful. I will give the song that, and the horns are very nice. No. But this song is so boring. Oh it takes oh, like so a minute, more than a minute for it to even get going. It's so boring. Oh my goodness. I like, I tried so hard. Cause I mean, like I like Lotus flowers so much. I was right? so like hyped. And then I was, I went to this song. I thought, okay, can I make this interesting at all? I really tried. It's not fun to play along with. It's not fun to like play by myself and sing it. Even though I could sing this one. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not, I, without like suffocating. <laughs> um, okay. So I feel very, I feel vindicated that you feel 
basically the same way I do, because besides Lotus Flower, this is the song everyone says, oh, that's a good song, too, you know. Yeah, I read around online and I was like, what is going on with people? Am I crazy? No, this just it gets back to this thread of the, those really slow Ben's era B-sides. It's like punch drunk, lovesick sing along, bishop's robes, right? Where it kind of maintains a mood. There's just not enough here. I do think that the jump off the end, like that move from with the F to G minor, A minor, B flat, is pretty nice. Ah, uh, see, that's that's where the song absolutely loses me. Okay, <laughs> it absolutely loses me. Where you have like, I'm kind of there for the C to the and the D minor. But then when it like brightens up, or I just feel like I'm being manipulatively scooped up in the song with that F okay. major. And then, okay. you know, like that walk up to the B flat major. I'm like, no, like, leave me where I am. I don't want this. It's like a Billy Joel song. It is kind of McCartney, too. I will give you that. I knew That's it was McCartney. I wasn't off <laughs> in the comparison, yeah, no. just in that if you liked it. I just... <sighs> I can't figure out why Pyramid Song worked so well. Pyramid Song had a lot of repetition as well. You know, it only it repeated the same verse again, but that felt so otherworldly. And this just feels like a half-baked song that they forgot to finish. It's a well-tread set of chord changes that they don't... The only thing that they do is interest, halfway interesting are the horns, mm-hmm. also the live performance... And the horns here aren't even that aren't even that interesting. Horns sound pretty good on a Radiohead song, but it isn't like oh my god, like such an incredible performance from the horns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of like oh, horns are nice. They should use horns in more of their songs. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean this is the part of the album that just really all the momentum is just totally shattered. I always knew that I didn't like King of Limbs. And I had always just assumed that it was the first four tracks. But the story everyone says about King of Limbs is that it has a very difficult first half. And then it opens up and it's just a regular Radiohead album with great songs. And Lotus Flower is a legitimately great song. But I I don't think Codex works. This is, you know, like the flip side of they take Lotus Flower and turn it into this not unrecognizable, but wholly changed song where they take this and they don't really do too much else with it. And it makes me think like, okay, did they like this? I mean, they must have liked it. They put it on the album. They recorded yeah. it. You know, <laughs> they played it quite often. People like it. It's a starred song. They talk about it. I just don't get it. And I, I don't either. I don't know what slice of Radiohead fandom I fall into because apparently I'm not in the majority slice. Well, I think people lie to themselves about this song. I'm going to stick up for that. I don't think anyone wants to hear this song, really. I think they just think that it sounds pretty and that it's a ballad, and so they have to like it. I'm taking the hard, critical line. I just always come back to, like, there's like a minute and a half at the beginning where he's playing three chords. I think that it's supposed to be sort of hypnotic, but when it's that slow... What is the point of that? Are you trying to get into the mood? I mean, well, I would I start mean, literally on the verse. There's a YouTube video where this song has been stretched to 800% of its length. So it's a 38-minute oh. song. <laughs> and it has a lot okay. of listens. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I have to listen to that. That's a whole YouTube thing that 
you know, they did that to Creep, which was quite funny recently. Well, but then he did it to Creep, right? He actually recorded it. Right, Tom it. did it to Creep. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to that one time and I was like, oh, okay. I, that's kind of interesting. Like, to it feels like you're destroying the past almost mm-hmm. by doing that. And it was a part of that mix that I sent you of the worst Radiohead set list ever. Yeah. Did you did you listen to that? Well, I mean, I didn't really listen to it. I like. <laughs> I think it started with "Pop Is Dead," went into the "Creep" very slow remix, <laughs> and then it had like the first four beeps before "Paranoid Android," but then it went into "Fitter Happier." <laughs> And then it had the four clicks before Weird Fishes happens. And then it goes back into Fitter Happier again, (laughs) (laughs) which is like the funniest thing I've ever seen (laughs) because it's those sounds are so it ties you to that memory of like Paranoid Android and Weird Fishes, like two of their very best songs. (laughs) And then it goes into Fitter Happier, a song I, I legitimately love, but it is definitely like not what you're expecting. <laughs> we'll put a link to that playlist because it is it is quite hilarious. It's amazing. I guess the only interesting thing about this song, the chords are in a Euclidean rhythm. That is true, but it doesn't, it's not like the rhythm feels uncomfortable. Like it doesn't feel like a complex rhythm. Like the pyramid song rhythm was weird. This is too slow. I think it is too slow. I mean, it. I mean, it was. It. It took me a little bit to figure out that transition, like kind of the run up from the F to the G minor, A minor, B flat, like mm-hmm. how that worked with the how that worked with the singing. Like it's a bit more complex than your typical pop song, but okay. I mean, I sort of felt the same way that I had to figure out some sort of the harder things on Hail to the Thief, but it didn't feel rewarding. So good for them that it's Euclidean rhythm. Make it Good more job, interesting. Right like, Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Gold Star. Gold Star. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, we can move on then, I think, right? All right. The next song is Give Up the Ghost. You get to guess if I like this song. <laughs> I love this game. Okay. <laughs> I'm really going to think about it. Okay. I, I, I don't think you like this song. It is extremely repetitive, just like Codex. I think you might like it more than Codex. It is a really impressive to see Tom play this live because he's essentially able to do almost all of it himself though johnny does have a part that he plays but so tom records the like don't hurt me part and then loops it but i don't like it (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm really bored by this one too. So where do I land? Uh, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> um, you're, okay. you're right that I like it more than, or I don't know if you said that I liked it more than Codex. I like it more than Codex. Codex is a definite low point on the album for me. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and I don't like this song, but I somehow admire it. I somehow admire yeah. it, especially the live performance. That's exactly where I am. I can understand. It's impressive that they're able to do this, especially by himself. Like, but man, it's just it's really repetitive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, yeah, it's like I find it really repetitive. I find the lyrics and the melody line just not interesting. But I like the spareness of the guitar playing, right? It's just, it's the same upstrokes the whole time, mm-hmm. which sort of brings to mind how Spoon does some of their songs, where they really, like, there's no flourish to those guitar parts. Right. And they, he, he makes it work, which is one of the reasons that I really appreciate Spoon, but maybe appreciate Spoon more than I listen to them all the time. And yeah, I mean, the vocal performance despite not liking this melody, I mean, it is, you have to admit it is impressive. It's his voice is just beautiful. Um, and then when he layers his voice there at the end, which is actually like melodically speaking, my least favorite part of the song that, you know, like there's a chorus of toms that are doing that part at the end. Yeah, It's beautiful. And I don't find it interesting. It's like such a paradoxical song for me because I'm not going to like it, but I respect it. As a performance, I respect it. As a song, I don't really respect it. <laughs> no. Is that a good way to put it? I'm impressed, especially at the end, because it sounds so disorienting for the first time. It at least builds up to something. And I think that had it not come before Codex, I might have given this one a pass more than I do. Right. Well, but together, if- man, my God. <laughs> Talk yeah. about a dead spot of an album. Like, I don't understand at all. I mean, Pitchfork talked about how much they loved, like, these two songs. I think Pitchfork said this was the best song in the album, too. Yeah, they did. Wild. They did. It's just unreal. What? I know. And I think that, were they just trying to be, like, cool to say that Lotus Flower wasn't the best song? You know, this is another thing of, like, you know, you could chop half of this song off and it would be better. You could have one whatever verse and then that outro and then that's it. It's not an interesting guitar part. You know, like, so I just think about how musically interesting Faust Arp is. You know, that was a picked song that just was full of life and constantly on the move mm-hmm. and not necessarily difficult, like not difficult to be difficult. The whole thing was like, ah, oh, that's a, just seeing someone perform that song is so much fun. And this is like, I mean, I used to just screw around on, you know, a D chord and just sort of have different variations of it. Like, I don't think that this is. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the a, first things you learn in guitar lessons. Right. Is to fool around on the D chord like this. I mean, this is 90s guitar, adult alternative you know, you're going from suspended two to suspended four to D. Ah, in, drop, so in drop D. And then doing that, doing the same with the A chord. Is that the point? You know, like it's just sometimes with Radiohead, you have to wonder, is like, is that the point? Or is it just like a song that he shouldn't, that he is a bit too full of himself? It was like, oh, this is good. I think it fit into the 
idea behind King of Limbs of the, you know, King of Limbs is all about taking recorded parts and creating loops with them and then using that to construct the songs. It leads to a very particular kind of song wherein repetition is crucial. And so on the first half of the album, some of the rhythm tracks can get kind of oppressive after a while because it just is constant. But I felt like they kind of used other parts of the song to add variety to it and really make them interesting. But both of these songs are very slow. And they put them right next to each other. I and mean, then they put them right next to each other. One would be forgivable. Okay, Give Up the Ghost would be forgivable if it wasn't on the same album as Codex. I don't even, I don't care about this. Like, put Codex at three and put this at the end, and I still wouldn't forgive it. I've been really into the From the Basement performance of how those songs are sequenced. I think the sequencing on the From the Basement is incredible, and... Oftentimes, that's how I want to listen to these songs. I skip Codex. <laughs> I listen to this one half the time. It's so interesting that we have the same basic read on both of these. I really didn't know before we went in. Oh, I, I thought you were going to be pretty sure that I didn't like these songs. I thought you wouldn't, but yeah. Do you have anything about the lyrics of this one? Gather up the lost and their souls into your arms. Yeah, it reminds me of like praise song. It really does. I mean, there's almost nothing here to hold on to. And I guess that's the point. Like, it's a ghost. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, I mean, it's um, about dying, but not dying. I don't know. Like, don't hurt me. Right. I guess at the very end, you would, don't mind giving up the ghost, but as long as it's not painful. But, right. Well, that's a whole other question, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, we got through that. Let's get to the last song then, which is Separator. Interesting. I don't know if it's because it's so refreshing after those two songs, but this comes on and you're like, oh, okay, we're grooving. Uh, we got some drums going again. The rhythm section's back. And then it just like, and it, it goes somewhere. It just takes forever to get there. It does take a long time. This song I find is so long. And for some reason, it doesn't stick in my head. This is the only one where I had to keep going back. I was like, oh, wait, wait, what does this song sound like again? When I would try and like play it. And then okay. like, oh, okay. like You know, because the only part of the song that really sticks in my head is the part at the end where it's like, wake me up, wake me up, which is really cool. It is really With cool. With that guitar line, you know, that's like straight from late 90s, which is amazing in a good way. I'm a little more positive on this song. I think that the drum beat is incredible. So from what I heard, essentially they took a drum beat and reversed it 
and then Phil learned that reversed drum beat. And that's why it has that weird shuffly thing in it. <laughs> and it does feel like a, it's a, one of the best looped drum parts of the whole album, I think. I think the bass is pretty great. But man, they could literally take three minutes off this song. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it is not like a happy sounding chord change, uh, but they make the song sound happy, which I find interesting. This one, I want to like it more than I do. It has like all these elements. I just don't feel like they come together. And then it's so long. I love when the guitars come in. And if the guitars just came in at the beginning, yeah, <laughs> it would be so great. Because it's just a beautiful, beautiful part. And it is very late 90s, like you're saying. But it feels so comforting coming at the end of this album. And then the way they both play off of each other. You know, that Radiohead picked guitar combination is one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, which is why I like Weird Fishes and Let Down so much. Knives Out. And Knives Out. And so, you know, when that comes up again i'm just like yes and then i love when the when he starts singing like if you think this is over then you're wrong i just i do wish they had cut about a minute off the front and then a, a minute or two off the end i mean i get letting the song be what it is and they were really in this like new frame of working so i love it when they experiment and they try things and they really do it but i i do think that this is a good song, and I think it could have been a really good song if it had just been edited a little more. Like Codex, they didn't finish that song. <laughs> no. Like, that is not a full song. But this one, I think there's a full song here. It's just too long. And that's the thing about King of Limbs that, I mean, everyone talks about how short of an album this is, and now there's only eight tracks, but too many of the songs are too long. I would rather have had more shorter songs uh, i was trying to like reconcile the fact that i don't like this song with the fact that i love that sunset rubdown song called i'm dreaming of places where uh, lovers have wings but it changes more but it makes you wait to this like really amazing ending but i think that ending is one is more exciting and two like there's more things that happen in that song before you get there and it's much more dynamic like there's not really any dynamicism in this song that's true. And it's very, like, it's very gentle, this, like, sort of nice ending to the song. Jacobs is more sophisticated and cultivated, right? Like, they're subtle. They don't hit you over the head with their songwriting anymore. But maybe, maybe they need to. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. It's a very unexpected ending, but it is my least favorite closing track. Of a Radiohead album, is that true? So we have because Blowout is on Pablo Honey, and that's great. All right, so Blowout's better than this. Street Spirit's better than this. The Tourist, the Tourist is, better is, is better than this. Motion Picture Soundtrack. Life in a Glass House, not even a competition. <laughs> uh, Wolf at the Door, uh, close. Wolf at the Door is a better song. Yeah, it's it's better. It isn't as high as it used to be, but it is a better song than this. And then videotape is kind of amazing. Yeah. It is the worst. And I even like this song. I even defended it. Well, there's this, like, I mean, even when you play videotape by yourself in those songs, like, the way that the chords loop around the words 
you know, you actually have the F when you were expecting you were going to have the A minor. I don't know, it's really weird. Even without all that other stuff, the song still loops around itself, or it's just this, this just doesn't. It's like a nice little stroll. And then you like, there's like a park with a nice pond at the end. I don't know. Like, <laughs> that gets back to codex. Like, those chords aren't fun. You know what I mean? Like, videotape, I played that on piano and I was like, this is pretty wonderful. And Pyramid Song, like you play those chords and it just, you feel like that song, like the chords themselves seem to have a personality. And then you play a song like Codex and there's, it's not there. So we are, we are, we're down on the... But you and I, this is totally the opposite of what most people say about this album. Most people say it starts off crazy and it's annoying and you have to get through Feral and then it's a good album. And I think it's almost the opposite. It like I feel like it peaks at Lotus Flower and they could have just stopped. Separator's fine, but they could have just had an EP. Well, I think what we're going to have to do is take a look at all the other B-sides to see if there was more here that they could have used. Oh, and you're foreshadowing for our next episode. <laughs> this, is, this is what we get to the big podcasting box for. That's right. So for the next episode, we're going to take a look at essentially all the B-sides. And I'm, we're being a little cheaty with this because we're going to include two B-sides that were released before the album, but we haven't talked about them yet. So we might as well do it now. So that's Harry Patch in memory of, mm -hmm. and these are my twisted words. Right. Which so both of those were released before King of Limbs. But then we're also going to talk about Super Collider the Butcher, The Daily Mail, and Staircase. All the songs on the Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast are by Radiohead and performed by Nick Kendallsberger and Austin Diaz. Mm -hmm.